Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives with new episodes airing every Tuesday. I'm Amanda Norris, and I'm the Associate Content Manager at Health Leaders. Medical knowledge doubles every 73 days, causing cognitive overload and burnout among healthcare professionals who are striving to treat patients effectively. Give your team's clinical answers directly at the point of care. Visit go.uptodate.com forward slash health leaders podcast typed as one word to learn more. In this episode, I chat with attorney Jeff Davis, partner at Bass, Berry and Sims law firm. Jeff Davis advises healthcare organizations on Medicare and Medicaid billing and reimbursement issues with a special focus on the federal 340B drug pricing program. Jeff forged his deep knowledge of the 340B program and other Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement issues while working in the federal public policy arena. He spent more than seven years working as vice president and legislative and policy counsel for 340B Health, an association of more than 1,400 hospitals and health systems participating in the 340B program. So as hospital and health system CFOs are generally the ones at the helm of 340B payments, strategizing and preparing for what lies ahead for the 340B program is essential. Enjoy our conversation. All right, so thank you so much for joining me today, Jeff. Um, To start off, can you give our audience some information about your professional background and what you do? Sure, happy to. Thanks for having me today. My name is Jeff Davis. I'm a partner with the law firm Bass, Barry & Sims. Uh, I'm in our Washington, D.C. office, um, and I'm, I'm part of our healthcare regulatory practice group where I focus primarily on 340B drug price program issues and also kind of broader Medicare, Medicaid uh, reimbursement issues. Um, work with a lot of hospitals, health systems, um, other types of providers that participate in 340B pharmacies, 340B service providers. Um, And my background in 340B really began uh, before going into private practice. I spent uh, eight years in-house at 340B Health, which is the trade association in Washington that that represents hospitals in the 340B program. So a lot of 340B work sort of have focused on and tracked the evolution of 340B um, I started working with the program in 2010, just as Affordable Care Act had passed, expanded the 3 program to new categories of hospitals, and, and there have been a lot of changes in the 340B space since then. Yeah, okay, so to that point, so the 340B program has had a rough few years, to say the least, so can you give us a quick rundown of the back and forth that ensued between CMS and healthcare organizations in the last year or two or three even? Sure. Yeah, I think they're really kind of the back and forth in the 340B space with respect to federal agencies, really kind of two different federal agencies at play here. You know, certainly from a hospital health system finance perspective, we're typically focused on CMS and their administration of the Medicare Medicaid programs. And there has been some interplay with CMS and 340B. And actually, the federal agency that has primary jurisdiction over the 340B program and oversees day-to-day program. Uh, operations is the Health Resources and Services Administration, and we've had some developments there as well. Uh, so on the CMS side, we've had uh, payment cuts under Medicare Part B and the outpatient perspective payment system. Those payment cuts targeting 340B hospitals, first one into effect in 2018, cut pins for 340B drugs to certain hospitals billing under the OPPS uh, by close to 3%. 
lawsuits filed by hospitals and health systems challenging those payment reductions and ultimately successful. It took four years, but we did see a Supreme Court decision last year finding that uh, Medicare's uh, payment cuts were unlawful. Um, and on remand, lower courts directed CMS to come up with a remedy on how to pay back those three ODB hospitals impacted by the unlawful payment reductions. And so just uh, in the last few weeks, we've now seen a final rule published by CMS outlining what that remedy is going to look like and payments, lump sum payments totaling $9 billion in total that will be issued to affected three ODB hospitals. We think those payments start going out late January. So that's, that's a really positive development in the 340B space for hospitals and health systems after kind of a tumultuous several years. Uh, the other big development um, in the HRSA space has been a court decision that just came out again in the last few weeks on HRSA's position on what it is to be a 340-eligible patient under the 340B program rules, under the statute itself. 340B providers only use drugs purchased at 340B pricing for individuals who are their patients, but the statute does not define that term. Certainly, the more patients who qualify to receive a 340B drug, the more a hospital may be able to generate by way of 340B savings. So it's a big deal what government's position is on whether it's a 340B eligible patient. And there are compliance issues here because if you use a 340B drug for an individual who's not a patient, you could have face repayments to drug manufacturers of those 340B discounts. So we had a federal district court decision just the last few weeks um, ruling against HRSA's interpretation of what it means to be a 340B eligible patient. We don't know yet how the government's going to respond, if they're going to appeal, if they were to update their audit enforcement to conform uh, to this court's decision, you know, that might allow hospitals to use 340B drugs more broadly. And so certainly from a health system finance perspective, um, will impact, um, you know, the ability to generate 340B savings and may also really help address one of the other tumultuous developments that you, you sort of alluded to, which is over the last few years, drug manufacturers imposing these restrictions on the ability of 340B providers to generate 340B savings through contract pharmacy. And that's really cut into the 340B program benefit. Um, this court decision on patient definition perhaps could, um, could, could help address at least some of that, mitigate some of the impact of that financially. Right. So you mentioned a little bit about the final rule, and I know I think it was what PenMed was just given a huge payout um, recently for the 340B payment. But where do we stand now exactly, and what effect does this have on hospital and health system CFOs? Sure. So this final rule that outlined the remedy to address the, the, the payment reduction that the Supreme Court found unlawful, um, they're going to result in, in pretty significant or potentially significant, depending on the hospital, one-time lump sum payment. Um, at the same time, though, there will be reductions in payments for non-drug services. And just to unpack that a little bit, you know, if you're a, a health and finance uh, leader and you're trying to look at what's the bottom line here for my hospital, um, there's a really helpful addendum associated with the final rule that CMS just released that has every single hospital impacted by the payment reduction list out by name and provider number. And you can look up the dollar amount of the lump sum payment that CMS is planning to issue. 
those payments will come out through MAC, through the Medicare administrative contractors, we think early um, next year, perhaps late January. Um, so hospitals should absolutely look at addendum, confirm that that number is correct. And there is a process um, if you dispute that amount because you think it was not calculated correctly, you can contact CMS, but the deadline is November 30th. Um, in terms of how CMS calculates one-time lump sum repayment amounts, they went back to the beginning of when the payment reduction first went effect in January 2018. And from January 2018 through 2022, they looked at all claims billed uh, for Part D drug under the OPPS system uh, on the UBO4 claim um, with a JAD modifier, because that was the modifier CMS put in place to identify drugs acquired at 340B pricing that were subject to the payment reduction. So that JAD modifier triggered the payment cut. Instead of getting paid at the average sales price plus 6%, hospitals were paid average sales price minus 22.5%. So CMS is looking at all claims billed by each 340B hospital from 2018 through 2022, identifying those with the JG modifier, and then quantifying the delta between what hospital was paid at ASP minus 22.5% and what the hospital would have been paid at the standard payment rate of ASP plus 6%. That delta spread out, of course, aggregated over the four period would result in the one-time lump sum payment. At the same time, though, CMS is implementing this in a budget-neutral manner. When the payment cut first went into effect in 2018, yes, they reduced payments for 340B drugs, but they offset that reduction by increasing payments to all hospitals under the OPPS for non-drug services. And now that CMS is unwinding the unlawful 340B payment reductions, they're also trying to unwind the increased payments that went out to hospitals for non-drug services, and they're essentially maybe clawing back those increased payments from all hospitals, whether you're mm -hmm. in 340B or not. But they're spreading that out over what they estimate will be a 16-year period to block the impact. So starting in, I believe, 2026, it was originally proposed to be 2025, but I think it's now starting 2026, we're going to see across the board 0.5% reduction in conversion factor for how CMS calculates payments to hospitals for non-drug services. That 0.5% reduction over the course of 16 years, CMS estimates that will eventually claw back the total amount of payments, increased payments that went out for non-drug services to really unwind everything that went in place going back to 2018. Right. And so you said that all of um, the lump sum amounts is basically public record. So our CFO should really go back and make sure they're getting what CMS says, or at least double check what CMS Absolutely. says. Absolutely. So, and certainly anyone's uh, free to free to reach out to me and I can point in the right direction, but there is a CMS OPPS webpage that includes all of CMS's uh, rulemaking and related data files associated with the OPPS payment rules. On that webpage, they do have a link to this final rule outlining the 340B remedy, and then there are two addenda, addendum, addenda associated with that, that final rule, addendum AA, is the file that includes all of the hospitals and the lump sum payment amount um, that CMS um, is intending to, to pay through the max starting sometime in January. 
Good. Well, so a lot of hospital and health system CFOs that I talk to say that they really rely on 340B discounts and other mechanisms like the disproportionate share payments. So what are some strategies that CFOs can use to ensure that they can remain financially stable among these fluctuations and receive the payments that they're owed? Absolutely. So, you know, what I find when I work with health system clients um, as their 340B programs have grown over the years, uh, and I've certainly encouraged hospitals to do this, and I think that by and large many have really built out um, interdisciplinary teams to oversee their 340B programs, where we often see health systems maintain 340B oversight committees that meet monthly, quarterly, on, on certainly on a regular basis. And those committees are typically comprised of people across all of the different areas of the hospital that touch 340B. You know, we typically see that the day-to-day program operation, um, monitoring, you know, inventory management systems, ensure compliance, often that lives in pharmacy. But certainly finance is really, really key to overall 340B operations. In the hospital space in particular, we t- we see a, a, a heavy uh, reliance by HRSA on Medicare rules and Medicare cost report rules with respect to 340B clients. Whether locations show up on a reimbursable line of the cost report can be really key uh, to 340B compliance, for example. So there's a huge role for clients to play. We often see CFOs listed with HRSA as the hospital-designated authorizing official responsible for 340B oversight. So with all of that as background, um, one of the things that I think health system finance executives can be doing as part of their regular work in these 340B oversight committee is to really make sure that we're thinking through all of the different developments that are going on in 340B and sort of taking a step back and thinking big picture, you know, what will this mean for our program moving forward? We have the, the, the sort of loss of 340B savings through the contra-pharmacy restrictions, but at the same time, we've got these one-time lump-sum payments from CMS that might help, but that's just a one-time lump-sum payment. But what are other strategies we as hospital finance leaders can think about moving forward to perhaps mitigate the impact of the, the losses 340B savings through contract pharmacy. And I do think that's where focusing on this new decision in the Genesis Healthcare um, case uh, that came out of this federal district court in South Carolina just a couple of weeks ago is a real key development for 340B oversight committees and finance leaders to be thinking through. Um, again, we don't know yet how the government's going to react, but certainly um, you know, hospitals should be working with their counsel to evaluate implications of that court decision. And, and we're certainly getting questions from hospitals about, you know, can we rely on that decision um, to make changes to 340B program policies and procedures and perhaps use 340B in different ways than we previously would. Um, this is one federal court decision specific fact, you know, related to one covered entity. Um, but there's certainly a lot to think through in terms of, you know, uh, you know, what we make from that decision for. Right. Yeah. So what do you see for the future of the 340B program and how can CFOs prepare? I'm pretty sure it won't be smooth sailing. So what are your thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, one of the primary challenges I think see in the 340B space right now, and this is very much a challenge that is sort of squarely in the, the, the finance CFO um, court, is the lack of uh, certainty, the, the, the volatility that we've been seeing. It makes it really difficult, right, to be able to budget and prepare for, you know, what will our 340B program savings be in any given 
you know, not just a year, but in any given quarter or month, given that, you know, if a new drug manufacturer announces a restriction on drug pharmacy, all of a sudden overnight, we overnight we lose access to 340p savings, um, you know, but now we have these court decisions that might be helpful with broader 340p program operations. The volatility, I think, is a big challenge, and, and I think the best as an industry that hospitals can do to, to, to be you know, prepared to address what to come is to just stay on top of the developments. Having those 340B oversight meetings regularly, bring in, you know, outside, you know, folks, you know, who come in and talk about the day-to-day developments. You know, I'm here in Washington. I'm monitoring what's going on in Congress. I'm monitoring what's going on with HHS and the agencies. And certainly, you know, our firm and my colleagues in our litigation group are monitoring what's going on um, in the courts, and you know, the best that I think hospitals can do to deal with this this real challenge, this volatility, is to stay as close to to up to date as possible on the developments, and have as many data points as possible, so that you know, when the hospital, when the health system is making decisions, um, you know, with respect to you know future 340B program use, um, you you have as much information in front of you as you can to make an informed decision. Perfect. Great advice. Thank you so much, Jeff. And thank you so much for joining me. That's all the time we have for today. So it was a pleasure having you on the show. So thank you again for being here. Thanks for having me. Great. And thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. And we'll be back next Tuesday with more industry insights.